cybersecurity these days is, an, is a human resources problem masquerading as an IT problem. And if you just think of it as something that the IT department has to handle, uh, then chances are you are going to miss a thousand things. Welcome to the City Voice podcast, where we talk about issues that are important for Washington cities. I'm excited to be here today with Jim Kilmer, who's a division director with the Opal Group. And uh, we're on site for AWC's Member Expo. Welcome, Jim. Thank you. Glad to be here. Well, Jim gave a great presentation last night about cybersecurity and what it means for cities. So I'm hoping that we can go through uh, some of the information that he shared in that, in that presentation here on today's podcast. Jim, I wonder if you could t- start off by talking to us about some of the current threats that exist out there. I think we're all familiar with uh, the idea that people are trying to uh, fish us through our email and that kind of thing, but what are some novel uh, points of attack that you've you've seen out there? Cyber threats these days um, are no longer abstract things. They are in many ways a business just like any other, and like most businesses, the motive of these thieves and criminals is profit. Uh, And so ultimately, at the end of the day, what they're going for is to put themselves in a position where they can in some way extort or steal money from you and your organization. Um, And so there's a number of ways they go about that. Phishing, as you mentioned, uh, sending emails to people to convince them to click on a link and to sign into a service that looks legitimate but in fact is not, uh, or getting them to cough up some kind of personal information about themselves or the organization that the criminals can then use along with information they've gathered from other people uh, to find a way into your systems. Uh, But there's also physical threats that happen on site uh, at city buildings and uh, in in other places of business. Uh, And even when uh, companies have good IT security in place, they often think about that in terms of the cloud services they access and the websites they log on to, and not that there might be something sitting in the lobby of their city building that actually poses a threat to their cybersecurity. So there's a lot of different vectors that criminals are using these days Great. And you mentioned uh, things that might be sitting in the lobby of, of City Hall. What, what in the world, what kind of things are you talking about? Right. Well, uh, so it, there is, this is actually a relatively old attack, uh, but it's increasing in severity. Um, it, it is actually common where if a, uh, if a thief is targeting a specific organization, uh, possibly for political means where cities are involved or possibly just because they have an axe to grind, uh, they will actually drop uh, like USB thumb drives in the parking lot of that organization. Uh, um, and, you know, they'll put clever labels on them like, you know, I love you with hearts on it and ooh, what's on this drive uh, or, you know, confidential, do not read. And they, they try to make it as enticing as possible for someone who's getting out of their car and going into work in the morning to see this thing sitting down there and pick it up and, oh, somebody lost a thumb drive. I wonder what's on this. And they go into the office and plug that into the computer. Uh, and that actually installs uh, an agent on their computer that then provides an entry point for the thieves into the city's network. Um, there's also a, a wireless attack uh, that's being done. There's devices uh, only about three or four inches long that plug into a wall outlet. They look like one of those air fresheners that uh, you may buy and have at home. Uh, but inside is actually a small, fully functioning computer with a Wi-Fi chip on it. And so they'll come into the building uh, and they'll sit down in the lobby like they're waiting for an appointment and just surreptitiously plug that into the wall 
and then after 10 minutes they'll stand up and calmly leave. And now that device has the ability to try and gain access to the wireless network inside of that building. They can sniff the traffic going on, they've got all the time in the world to try and hack the keys to get into the network, uh, and so that can, that can serve as a foothold to gain access to the physical infrastructure of a building. Um, and so, uh, you know, cybersecurity is actually not just something for your desk workers or people who work on the computer all day long. Everybody in the city, from the mayor down to the custodial staff and maintenance staff, has a role to play and needs to be cybersecurity aware. Uh, because it is going to be your, your janitorial or custodial staff who are going to notice some of these physical threats on site. And they may not be as susceptible to the email threats because they're not you know, sitting on email all day, um, but they will find these other vectors that are becoming increasingly common. That's really interesting, Jim. Now, if uh, in this instance where someone finds a, a USB drive and they, they're just too curious and they plug it into their, their laptop, are they going to get some kind of signal like we've taken over the computer or is that all happening in the background and invisible to them? Yeah, boy, it would be nice if they announced themselves right off the bat, but that is rarely what happens. Uh, the more sophisticated cyber criminals these days uh, are very patient. Uh, they will do their homework, they will do their research, and they will wait uh, until an opportune moment to launch their attack. Uh, and so if you've been following the news about these major hacks on, on um, you know, the, the oil pipelines and hospitals and things like that, this didn't happen overnight. Uh, these criminals had access to one or more accounts and one or more networks for you know, weeks or even months prior to actually launching the attack. Uh, and so that makes forensic diagnosis and figuring out what happened in the after action report a lot harder uh, because there tends to be a very long time gap between when the uh, intrusion actually occurred and when the first signs of it being detected are. So um, this really comes down to a human issue where uh, people need to be made aware of these. They need to fight that instinct to pick it up and fight their curiosity to plug it into the computer. Um, we're all used to the phrase, you know, after for the last 20 years of if you see something, say something. And so, you know, something as innocuous as an air freshener plugged into the wall that you don't remember seeing there before. Where did this come from? Um, so becoming aware, learning to question that sort of thing. Um, as I said in my talk yesterday, cybersecurity these days is, an, is a human resources problem masquerading as an IT problem. And if you just think of it as something that the IT department has to handle, uh, then chances are you are going to miss a thousand things. Uh, because the IT department is charged with securing the network, they are charged with putting the systems in place to catch and block as much of this as possible. But the best IT systems in the world can't protect you if one of your staff leaves the door open or invites the bad guys in. Uh, and so locking down that human resources side of things through training, through awareness, through repetition of that training, through periodic testing with something like an anti-phishing or anti-fraud uh, training program, uh, and having a good incident response plan, these are the sort of things that are going to prevent those other uh, vectors of attack, which unfortunately these days make up the majority of these attack vectors. Jim, uh, as I mentioned, we're here at Member Expo, and that raises a couple of questions for me. I, uh, last night I was talking to an individual who's the clerk treasurer for her city, and she said she's a full-time employee, and it, in addition to her, there's a half employee. So this uh, city is run by the hard work of, of one and a half employees. Uh, when, when folks are running on a short staff like that and may not have an IT department uh, to, to work with, what are some steps that they could take, uh, these individuals can take, to start implementing some of these security measures that you recommend? I think it's very important for people to realize that, that cybersecurity is not a monolithic thing. 
there is no magic box with blinking lights on it, no matter how expensive, that is going to 100% protect you from all cybersecurity threats. Uh, the analogy that I like to use for cybersecurity is it's like a stack of Swiss cheese slices. If you put one slice on the, on the bread, you can look through the holes and there's a lot of ways in. Then you put another slice on top of that and you blocked out some of the holes, but some of them you know, still get through. And then another slice and another slice and another slice. And the more slices of Swiss cheese you, pack, you, you put on top of each other, you block more and more of those holes and it makes it harder and harder to, to get in there. And so looking at it from that perspective where it's not just this one big thing I have to do, every little thing you can do helps. Uh, and there are a lot of little things and very inexpensive things that particularly non-technical users can do. Um, we talked about this in my talk last night, but uh, three big ones um, are password managers. Uh, it's a category of software that is very easy to use. Um, easy to use to the point that when you start using it, you will have no idea how you survived up until this point without it. Um, because it's a, it's a piece of secure software that will keep all of your passwords in an encrypted vault and then autofill them into your browser or into your applications when you uh, need to log in. And so it'll allow you to create a very complex password that's unique to every site you log in on. So if one site is compromised, and your password is ABCDEFG, you know, the cyber criminals won't have your email address and that password that they can test in thousands of other sites to try and get in. Um, that's called a sideways attack, and it is one of the big ways that accounts are compromised these days. Um, but the human brain is just not wired to remember, you know, hundreds of passwords for all the systems we have to access these days. And so it's very common for people to reuse passwords or reuse variants on passwords, and that's just so dangerous. And Jim, I remember it was really helpful last night, I thought that you mentioned three specific of these password managers that, that you could recommend to say, Here, here's examples of ones. Yeah, yeah, there, there are a number out on the market, and, and by and large, they're all pretty good. Um, the ones that we see a lot of are 1Password, Dashlane, and LastPass, um, and they're all very inexpensive. Uh, these cost, on average, between 3 and $5 per user per month, so for 36 to $60 a year per user, um, you can uh, give your employees access to one of these password managers um, and, and make yourself measurably more secure. And as an added bonus, this is something they can also use in their personal life. They can use it for their own banking and credit cards and tax records and, and everything else they might want to uh, have accounts for. Um, and, and it measurably increases your security. It's, uh, studies have, have shown that uh, folks using password managers are hacked a fraction of the, uh, the, the frequency of people who are just trying to remember their passwords or have them on a post-it note under their keyboard. That's great. That's great. And in fact, I started using one of those uh, password managers that you recommend uh, maybe a year or so ago. And I had the exact experience that you described. It's like, how was I doing this before? It's such an easier way to keep track of things. If I could go back a little bit, Jim, you mentioned that there's uh, these folks who are going into a lobby to plug something into the wall or scattering USB drives. And this is a little bit in conflict with my concept of what a cyber attacker was like. I understood these to be, you know, um, call centers on the other side of the world where people were, were hatching these plans and, and making these attacks. But that means there's somebody potentially in my city who's 
who's uh, doing these attacks. So is this a domestic problem or is it a foreign problem? Uh, well, I mentioned uh, it's, it's really all of the above. I mentioned that you know, these, these cyber criminals are operating as businesses. They're, they're motivated by profit. And like any other business, there is a whole ecosystem of vendors and employees and contractors and temps out there that are facilitating this type of attack and this type of fraud. Um, so the folks who are harvesting passwords, either by um, you know compromising a Wi-Fi network or uh, you know by by uh, running a phishing scam to, to scrape people's passwords, in many cases they are not actually the ones then using those usernames and passwords to execute some kind of attack. They're selling them on the dark web, uh, and that's the same thing about like credit card skimmers at gas stations and, and retail stores when they skim your credit card number. The folks who are actually stealing those credit card numbers are generally not the folks who are then using them for profit gain. They are they're getting their profit one way or another by selling those credit card numbers on the dark web. So there's this ecosystem of feeders that are out there harvesting this information by any means possible, but generally then they sell it. It's these larger organizations, typically overseas, that will then buy this information and use that information to try and gain footholds in companies. Um, and they are very patient. Once they find usernames and passwords that work, again, they will not launch that attack immediately. They will you know, do their research, they'll do their homework. Is this a small single proprietor company, you know, doing $20,000 in business a year? Well, you know, what's, what is the point in launching an attack? There's no profit motive in that. They're spending more time just figuring out what this company is worth than they could possibly gain by trying to extort them. So they actually do their homework. They figure out who their targets are before they launch some of these attacks. Um, and so it really is a whole criminal ecosystem feeding this type of activity. So I mentioned earlier that we're in Chelan uh, on site for Member Expo, and you and I talked about this uh, before our conversation here, but what do you do when you're traveling and in a hotel? I think a lot of us, one of our first questions when we check in is what's the Wi-Fi password, and then we promptly log in every single one of the devices we have on us into that uh, into that hotel Wi-Fi. Is that what you do as well? Uh, no. Uh, that is in general, extremely dangerous. And, you know, it, it's great that hotels and coffee shops provide this service and that we have this internet ubiquity, but it does open up uh, an attack vector that, that people are not always expecting. So first and foremost, you know, it's not absolutely verboten to use hotel or coffee shop Wi-Fi, but if you do, you should also have a VPN at your workplace or a VPN at your city that the very first thing you do after you log into the hotel Wi-Fi is connect to that VPN. Because once you've connected to the VPN, it's as though your computer is now remotely on the network at your office. Uh, and so you can operate more securely over that VPN. Accessing your email, accessing Facebook, accessing your, your critical business systems just through the hotel Wi-Fi is extremely dangerous. And so if you don't have a VPN, the, uh, the thing I would recommend is to use the hotspot on your phone. We're all carrying smartphones these days. Most people have data plans that you know, you'll have enough data that while you're traveling, you can use it to check your email and do critical work. Turn on the hotspot on your phone, connect your laptop to that hotspot rather than the hotel's hotspot. Um, I'll give you an example of, of one thing uh, that is used. There's a device out there that only costs about $100 called a Wi-Fi pineapple. Um, and what it does is uh, someone who is harvesting passwords to sell on the dark web, they can just throw it in their backpack or, or, or in a satchel. That's how small it is. Um, and the first thing it does is it actually blocks the legitimate network at that hotel or coffee shop. It'll basically jam that signal. And then it sets up its own network with the same name as that coffee shop or hotel 
hotel. And if there's a password on it, they'll set up the same password so that the information the, the, the clerk or the front desk is handing out will allow you now to connect to that fake network. Um, and then they set up essentially false login pages for Google, Facebook, Office 365, uh, various other common services so that when you go or try to go to that website to log in, instead of going to the legitimate website, you are going to a crafted page owned by that attacker, hosted on that little box sitting in their backpack, and you put in your username and password, and you're not able to log in. It, it says, you know, connection denied or connection timed out. You think, oh, this hotel Wi-Fi is really terrible. I, I can't get to the internet. You try again later and you put in your username and password. Well, what's actually happening is they're just harvesting those usernames and passwords. They're all going into a log file that that guy's gonna pack up his backpack, go home and sell on the dark web that night. Um, so using uh, hotel and, and coffee shop networks without a VPN um, uh, is really a bad idea. It, it's not a high frequency attack. We don't see a lot of this, like every coffee shop out there is not infected, but unfortunately you never know when one will be. It's just a really bad idea to uh, uh, use these onto your critical business systems. And Jim, I was disappointed when you told me how much my credit card information and email passwords are worth. How much are those worth on the dark web? Pennies. Uh, the, the criminals make it up in volume. Um, uh, you know, whether they're verified or unverified, you know, just lists of unverified passwords will, will go in many cases for less than one penny per account. Verified ones will go for a couple of cents. Uh, credit card numbers, you know, again, depending on what they are, there's certain ones like, uh, you know, American Express will sell for a different price than Visa, will sell for a different price than Discover. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, all, it's always less than a dollar, you know, probably 30 cents would be on average. So uh, it is kind of depressing when you think about how impactful this can be to your life uh, in having to, you know, reverse these charges and get a new credit card and, and all of that. I mean, it, it's a massive disruption to the, the victims um, for what is effectively a teeny tiny gain on the part of the criminals. Absolutely. Well, you know, when, when I think about uh, checking into a hotel and, and logging into the Wi-Fi, in a lot of ways, I feel like I'm being responsible. I'm not eating on my data. Instead, I'm using the Wi-Fi. And so it feels like a good extra step to take, but it's but it's a little bit of a shift of mind to say, no, instead I'm gonna do the thing that's more secure by using uh, cellular data in this uh, in this example. And and I wonder if that's an example of what you call kind of a culture of safety and, and how to pursue that in an organization. Yeah, a culture of safety or a culture of security. Um, the human mind works in, in some weird ways when we come across things that are new or when we come across things that we feel that we don't understand. Um, but in general, um, you know, there are certain, I hate to say common sense things, but there are certain practices that, that in this day and age, pretty much everybody uh, understands. Certainly in, in the times of COVID-19, you know, when we're touching doorknobs and we're touching, you know, spoons on, on buffets and other things like that, we use hand sanitizer or wash our hands. I mean, you know, 18 months ago, that would have seemed, you know, very foreign to a lot of people, but now it's pretty common practice. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of other things, you know, you, you, you go into, go into restaurants and, you know, if the fish doesn't smell right, you're not going to order the fish. I mean, just the, there's things that, that people do second nature because it's sort of, it, it, it's, it's bred into their culture. It's bred into their, their common sense. So cybersecurity is something that, that needs to reach that level. And the only way that it reaches that level is through awareness training and repetition. And once you've been through these trainings, once you've been, you know, heard this a few times, and once you understand what the threats are, you modify your behavior. And so then it seems second nature. So 
um, you know, going in and, and logging on to a hotel network, you know, going in and plugging a USB drive into your computer. You know, these are things that were safe for a long time. And so people got used to doing it and, and, and thinking of it as a modern convenience. Well, unfortunately, it's not as safe as it used to be. The landscape has shifted. The culture has changed. And so the mindset in that culture of security needs to evolve as well. And the more people who are aware of this, the more those behaviors change. Um, and, and hotels and, and coffee shops and others are also getting better about this. There's new technologies coming on the market to help protect them from these devices and, and things of that nature. So, you know, another three, four years from now, this advice may change again where, hey, it might be safe to use a hotel Wi-Fi three, four years from now as the technology evolves to catch up with the bad guys. But right now it's a bad idea. Well, Jim, thank you very much for joining us today on the City Voice podcast. I appreciate your presentation to the RMSA annual meeting group and also for the presentation you're going to give today at Member Expo. Thank you. Glad to be here.